0: Edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to it. I am Dirk Christensen, and uh, there used to be a show on the uh, on the TV called The A Team, and uh, we're going to go over to Joe Ganguish, who represents our Mister T of the
1: group. I pity the fool who don't (laughs) listen to Midday. I pity him. (laughs) Very nice. I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs>
0: Very nice. Did you see him on Dancing with the Stars at all, old T? Yes, I a, did catch a little bit. He like a that. little stiff here these yeah. days, but uh, still he the was
2: man. And
1: he was yeah. great in Rocky Three. Oh, wasn't he great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Clubber Lang. That was yeah, a that's good that's role right. for him. Clubber. Pain. Pain. <laughs> Pain. <laughs> All right, Mr. Gangwish, lead it off here on the 18th. Well, in Ag News, Jesse's going to be with you at that time. She'll be talking about uh, E85 for just 85 cents in Lincoln this week. That'll be at Pump and Pantry at uh, their Lincoln locations. And they will have at one uh, location where they have the, the special pricing and a ribbon cutting there. They source only Nebraska ethanol at Bosselman's Pump and Pantry. That's pretty cool. Wow. So that's at 1213. Also, Susan Littlefield has the buzz on pollinators. Did you catch that. The buzz on pollinated. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> she came up with that. I did. Uh-huh. So, Call a doctor. Okay. My sides are splitting. <laughs> <laughs> Chad Moyer is our guy on the scene in West Point. He didn't have far to go today because the mid year meeting for Nebraska cattlemen is right there in West Point and he's handling the reports. He'll talk to John Witteson from Carney, chairman of the uh, Nebraska Cattlemen Animal health and nutrition committee and then you'll have merlin nielsen former faculty member at unl's animal science division and new member of fair nebraska that's a group seeking to reduce dependence on educational funding from property taxes he had a presentation before the taxation committee there today so that'll be at 117 jesse has an interview on heat stress in cattle that'll be our newsmaker Event coming at twelve forty five. 45. And now to the guy that we call Face around the <laughs> yeah. station. Here's yeah. Jason. <laughs> nice. Face Jorgensen. <Sturgood>, Hardly. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly.
2: Hey, I'll tell you someone who tries to save face tonight would Uh-oh. be the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. They need to win badly in the NBA Finals. But they were here a year ago and uh, it looked like they were torched and they came back and they won it. So mm-hmm. never question the heart of a champion. We'll see what happens tonight in Cleveland. The eye of the tiger. Yeah, that's right. Also, um, Scooter Jeanette, journeyman second baseman that not a lot of people have ever heard about, made history last night. Four home runs for Cincinnati. Wow. Four straight home runs. He became the 17th player in Major League history to hit four home runs in a single game.
0: Well, that's an impressive record yeah, t- at all.
2: Ten yeah. RBIs. That guy had a night. Isn't that something? That is for sure. And Very also nice. the uh, NCAA softball season came to an end last night. Another title for Oklahoma. They were able to knock off Florida. They finished off an impressive 61-9 and season. Man, oh man. That's and, going And, and most of their team is coming back. All right.
0: Looking forward to it in sports. And now Bob Brogan in business.
3: Stock indexes inched higher in midday trading as gains in banks were partly outweighed by a slump in energy companies. Also, uh, some other things going on. Autonomous vehicles with no human backup will be put to the test on publicly traveled roads as early as next year. And uh, a couple of French companies are kind of working on that stuff. Um, And also, uh, the world economy is picking up as we speak. So... We'll be watching that and everything else. I'd like to know when
0: autonomous vehicles are going to be on my road. Mm -hmm. That's what I'd like to know. All coming up today on Midday. I'll tell you what, those uh, thermometer readings are kind of taken right off the pad there, aren't they?
4: Yeah, it's getting a little red in eastern Nebraska, already up into the low 80s in eastern portions of Nebraska. Yes,
0: sir. It's going to be a warm one, and it's warmer for the weekend. We'll hear about that in just a second. A quick reminder for you that our ag weather is brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation.
4: We did have uh, some rain move through yesterday thanks to a front. It was pretty spotty, but they did get up to an inch and a half of rain towards the Plainville, Kansas area in north central Kansas. A few other locations, very spotty reports across central Nebraska and northern Kansas, right around a quarter to a half an inch. But a lot of people, of course, getting shorted or missing out on that rain. We could see some more spotty rain and thunderstorms today as the pieces of energy rotate around an area of low pressure that's currently over the Dakotas. That's slightly better that of some rain will come this afternoon during the peak heating of the day. But once again, just looking at some spotty chances for thunderstorms so maybe if you got shorted this last time you may be able to catch up a little. Some south winds returning with mainly seasonal temperatures for most of us on into the low 80s. Those thunderstorm chances start to diminish tonight as that area of low pressure moves into Minnesota. Tomorrow we will be on the eastern edge of a ridge of high pressure that's centered over the Rockies. A disturbance dropping down that edge of the ridge could develop some late day and evening thunderstorms over western Nebraska and Kansas and then start to track to the east, but they'll probably start to die out as they move into central sections. The high-pressure ridge moves on to the plains for Friday and the weekend. We'll get underneath that dome of high pressure for some hot and dry conditions. Also, the humidity figuring back into our forecast over the weekend as temperatures warm on into the 90s, and we'll also see some gusty winds out of the south. A cold front, though, by Monday night will start to bring a chance to some thunderstorms in some areas and some more seasonal temperatures. In our long-term forecast, temperatures mostly warmer than normal for Nebraska, Kansas, and nearly all of the eastern two-thirds of the U.S. Monday through June 20th. For precipitation, Nebraska and Kansas mostly right at near-normal levels for precipitation Monday through June 20th. Western areas on the edge of slightly drier than normal. Eastern areas slightly wetter than normal in the long-term forecast. Weather factors driving market trade today include concern over a round of early summer heat in the central U.S. the rest of the week and continued dryness across the northern plains. Wet weather will gradually subside across the southeast. By the end of the week, though, warmth will build east across the nation's midsection, while cool air will overspread the west and linger in the east. Heat in the Midwest in the next 10 days expected to be building, and that could be stressful to developing crops already in an uneven growth scenario. Crops across the northern plains in line for some slight easing of their drought stress the next week with the promising round of some light to moderate rain. Before the rain, though, it will be hot and dry. Spring wheat conditions across the northern plains at their poorest level in nearly 30 years for this time of the season. It will be mostly hot and dry over the southern plains the next five days to favor wheat ripening ahead of harvest. That heat, though, will be stressful for developing row crops and livestock across the feedlots. Variable showers indicated for Ukraine the next five days, with only light rain for the dry central part of Ukraine beneficial raining Russia is contrasting with the return to dry conditions in Ukraine weak conditions in Ukraine highly variable right now but wheat yields look to be rather excellent in many parts of Russia thanks to they're getting lots of widespread rain
0: Regional AG weather with Paul Perkins is brought to you by Holdridge irrigation you can uh, see them at their locations Holdridge irrigation bringing you the AG weather now I guess <laughs> all in all this basically just looks like summer. Yeah, it
4: yeah. Some spotty showers and thunderstorms popping up when we get that afternoon heating going, and especially going to feel summer this weekend when we have that dome of high pressure move over here. Well, it took really, its time getting here. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> gonna it's gonna warm up. Hopefully, the air conditioner is working for you.
0: That's <laughs> for sure. All right, and when you need weather anytime, jrvn.com
5: Culture information on the roll radio network i'm jesse harding a nebraskan has taken the role as president of the national pork board susan littlefield has more Terry O'Neill, a pork producer from Friend, Nebraska, has been elected as president of the National Pork Board during the organization's board meeting in Des Moines, Iowa this week. The National Pork Board is comprised of 15 farmer directors representing America's pig farmers. O'Neill said that he is proud to represent the 60,000 pig farmers and is honored and humbled by the confidence the board has placed in him. O'Neill and his wife, Diane, own and operate O'Neill Farms in Friend, Nebraska, a feral finish pig farm that markets 12,000 thousand pigs annually. In addition to pigs, O'Neill Farms also grows corn and soybeans on 700 acres. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural
6: Radio Network.
5: The Nebraska Cattlemen Menier Meeting is underway in West Point and Chad Moyer is there.
6: In the Taxation Committee meeting this morning, members discussed issues around health care and access to health care. The committee passed an interim resolution that advocates for more of a market-based health insurance system, full Medicare-Medicaid reimbursement, and critical access to rural hospitals. Ken hers of Lawrence is committee chair.
0: That's our biggest concern is, is access in, in rural areas and, uh, and for the health care providers. Uh, we uh, were really concerned about travel time and, and- and uh, the hospitals and 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 care providers that will be that we can access. So that's really important to us.
6: The policy will be reviewed by the NC Board, then be discussed at the NCBA summer meeting next month in Denver. On the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting.
5: Flex fuel vehicles and drivers can take advantage of huge savings with the E85 for just 85 cents in Lincoln at the Pump and Pantry on West O and Sun Valley Boulevard. That will be tomorrow on June 8th. Megan Grimes, Ethanol Program Manager with the Nebraska Ethanol Board, says there is an extra special twist to this. Yeah, Pump and Pantry is owned by, Bossman and owned by Enterprises and they own multiple pump and pantries around the state. And they're one of the fuel retailers that offers a lot of ethanol blends. And the great thing about them is that they buy all of their ethanol from locally produced um, ethanol plants. So all the plants here in Nebraska have the opportunity to work with Bostelman to sell locally produced ethanol. Grimes says the event will take place from 3 to 6 p.m. to get E85 for 85 cents. There will also be a ribbon cutting at 2.30 p.m. to mark the grand opening of the Flex Fuel Pumps. They will now disperse E85 in Clean 88, which is a high-octane, cleaner-burning blend of 15% ethanol. And today, the House Agriculture Committee held a hearing on the future of international food aid and agriculture development as a continuation of the committee's series to examine all aspects of the next Farm Bill. Chairman of the committee, Mike Conaway, from Texas, and members of the committee heard from stakeholders on the critical assistance that these programs provide in both terms of global food security and U.S. national security. Among the list of witnesses with was Mr. Ron Supps. He is a wheat producer from Dighton, Kansas. He was testifying on behalf of the U.S. Wheat Associates. And according to EIA data, ethanol production averaged 999,000 barrels per day. It is down 2.1% from the previous week and is also a five-week low. The four-week average for ethanol production decreased to 1.014 million barrels per day for an annualized rate of 15.54 billion gallons. You're listening to the Roll Radio Network.
6: Chad Moyer with you reporting from the Nebraska Cattlemen Midyear meeting, which is going on at uh, in West Point this year. Let's visit with the Chairman of the Animal Health and Nutrition Committee is John Widdowson from Kearney, Nebraska. John, thanks for visiting with us here today. Uh, unlike other years, it, uh, you said uh, there weren't too many issues to talk about. Things went relatively quick in your committee,
7: huh you bet Chad yeah. Uh, most years we've had a full agenda and, and lots of issues and topics to deal with but uh, fortunately this, uh, this mid-year uh, it's been kind of quiet on the animal health and nutrition committee which is a good thing so uh, not a lot of health issues that our state's dealing with this time so we just did a lot more reviewing of things that we have in the, in the pipeline that we're working on and, and updated our, our members on those.
6: Alright and in preparation in your committee I think is pretty important and the issues that we're talked about may be focused around that especially in a situation where there's a catastrophic cattle loss in the state that was talked about huh
7: you bet chad uh, a couple years ago we developed a disposal plan task force committee and that, and that committee was to develop a a short white paper for if we had a eradication of a, a deadly disease in the state or if we had a major weather issue that we had to deal with say uh large you know high temperatures and we had massive losses in feed yards what do we do with those cattle and how we deal with them? So, our group is uh, using all the stakeholders from DEQ, the Department of Ag, uh, local people, and we're building a, a, a plan that our producers can quickly look at and say, okay, these are some things that I need to be prepared for, have our operations paired for. So, we gave them an update on where we're on that, and hopefully in December we will have that completed.
6: Yeah, I was going to say, where are we at with that? Uh, still gathering stuff, or is it kind of work? putting t- things together now,
7: huh? Uh, yeah, we're, we're combining things. Uh, we, <laughs> just to tell you, we had over 42,000 pages of documents that we are building together to probably condense that into one to maybe two pages. So it's uh, a little bit more robust than we int- uh, initially thought, but uh, we're getting there and we're excited about what it'll do for our producers.
6: Okay, How about uh, cattle movement uh, from state to state? Uh, there was an update on specifically what the Nebraska Department of Ag might look at in terms of cattle coming into Nebraska. What's that discussion?
7: You bet. Uh, we just got the Nebraska import order, and it was a draft proposal, and so uh, Melanie Benjamin and I, we've kind of dived through that, and we're going through it pretty hard. We updated the members today on that uh, draft proposal. Uh, We want our whether you're in the feed yard business or you operate a cell barn, we want you to look at this import uh, draft and see how it might affect you. And, and uh, you know, if you have heartburn with this or if it might impact your business with that, we'll then take it back to the Department of Ag and say, hey, this needs to be tweaked or that. So um, this was a, it just got launched last week. So this is just kind of right to the forefront. So again, uh, by our, our annual banquet in, in December, we'll have a much better detail of what, what this import order will look like.
6: Okay, can you give a, a brief uh, synopsis maybe of what changes they're looking at or what,
7: what are they proposing? Sure, you know I, uh, one example would be like with uh, trichomiasis, uh, any bull that was 24 months or younger had to be uh, tested for that to come into the state. Now that's going to be reduced from 24 to 18 months. So those are the kind of the tweaks that are in this to, and, and a lot of that is just to get uh, consistent with other states around us. You know, if, if one state's got 24, one's got 18, one's got 12, it, it really makes it hard for producers who live close to the line or veterinarians that are we're trying to keep track of all this. So we're trying to just con- make things consistent with our, our neighboring states to, to make the, the commerce and the, and, and the travel of cattle back and forth or any animals uh, more convenient and, and easy. All right, very good.
6: Well, thanks for the update from the committee, John. Appreciate
7: it. No, thanks, Chad. We appreciate you guys.
6: Very good. Again, we've been visiting with John Widowson. He's from Kearney, chairman of the Animal Health and Nutrition Committee, and an update from the Midyear Meeting in West Point. On the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting. You're
0: listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Jason
2: Jorgenden. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, the possibilities seem endless for the Golden State Warriors when they are rolling? Dominating like no team ever has in the postseason, the Warriors look capable of anything except maybe another NBA Finals collapse. They take a 2-0 lead over Cleveland into tonight's Game 3, just as they did a year ago. The Warriors actually had a higher victory margin through two games of last year's Finals. But they didn't have Kevin Durant or a fully healthy Stephen Curry. Somehow the Cavaliers have to change all of that. They did it a year ago, coming home after losing the first two by a combined 48 points and beginning a turnaround that led to a 120-90 route in Game 3. The opponent and the situation are the same yet for many things, feel much different. Scooter Jeanette hit four home runs, matching the Major League record, and finished with 10 RBIs as the Reds routed the slumping Cardinals last night 13-1. In the process, he became the 17th player to Homer four times in a game, and perhaps the least likely... The scrappy second baseman who was claimed off waivers from Milwaukee in late March. He started the night with 38 career home runs, including three this season. Josh Hamilton was a previous player to hit four home runs in a single game. He did that for Texas five years ago. Dodgers left-hander Clayton Kershaw, Nationals righty Steven Strasburg, square off in a matinee matchup of NL Cy Young award contenders. Kershaw struck out 14 in his last start against Milwaukee to reach 2,000 strikeouts for his career. Although the ace has allowed four homers over his past two starts, Strasbourg is two starts removed from striking out a career 15 against San Diego. In tennis, Novak Djokovic is out of the French Open. The defending champion from Serbia lost to six-seeded Dominic Thiem today in the quarterfinals. Thiem will now face Rafael Nadal in the semis. The 23-year-old Australian beat Nadal last month in Rome, and the Spaniards only lost on clay this season. Shay Knighton did it again. This time around, she had a three-run double in the second inning that helped Oklahoma defend its NCAA softball title with a 5-4 victory over Florida. The Sooners won both games in the best-of-three series, and they wrap up a 61-9 season. And UNK wrestler Wesley Dawkins won his division at the UWW Cadet and University Nationals this past weekend in Akron, Ohio. Dawkins, who is a graduate of Lincoln High, joins Loper legend Ravel Delagniv as the only UNK wrestlers to ever win a title at this tournament. For the Lopers last year, Dawkins took a redshirt year. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio
8: There's a slight chance of thunderstorms tonight, lows in the mid-50s to lower 60s. I'm Dave Schroeder. A Lincoln lawyer arrested in a prostitution sting says he's a victim of sexual discrimination. Vincent Valentino is challenging the constitutionality of his arrest and says he's also not being given a gender-neutral chance at a pretrial diversion in lieu of prosecution. The judge denied Valentino's motion for officials to provide documents that he says would have supported his case. The Buffalo Common Storytelling Music Festival, Friday and Saturday in McCook, promises acclaimed storytellers, poets, historians, musicians, a stage show, stories, and theater for the young. Histories, Mysteries, Bus Tour, and much more mary Dooland of mccook says a storytelling festival is a way of preserving history
6: our goal i guess is to
0: continue the to preserve the stories of our area of the history that has happened here of the people who have come before us and and let those generations ahead of us know why things happened around here and how they happened and and I think we're very interested in in keeping those stories going.
8: Doolin says nationally prominent storyteller and speaker Kim Whitecamp of Virginia, along with Frank Sullivan and Dirty Kitchen, uh, will be among the headliners at the festival. A Nebraska prisoner serving time for robbery and weapons convictions has died at a Lincoln hospital. Twenty-two-year-old Dalen Lemire died Tuesday. Authorities have not confirmed the cause of death, but prison officials say he tested positive for methamphetamine and ecstasy. Prison officials say Lemire was found unresponsive in a cell at the Tecumseh State Correctional Institution on May 27th. He was taken to a nearby hospital in Johnson County and later transferred to Bryan West in Lincoln, where he died. Lemire was sentenced to six to 11 years in prison for four counts of robbery and one count of use of a weapon to commit a felony in Douglas County. He was scheduled for release in September of 2020. The Nebraska State Patrol will investigate. Republican Governor Sam Brownback in Kansas says the income tax increases the legislators enacted over his veto will be bad for the long-term health of Kansas' economy. The governor said during a news conference today that he believes the increases will slow job growth and discourage companies from moving to Kansas. Legislators repudiated past income tax cuts that championed by Brownback in passing a measure that's expected to raise $1.2 billion over two years. It increases income tax rates and ends an exemption for more than 330,000 farmers and business owners. We want your news, video, and photos. Tip us under the News tab at krvn.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder.
5: As we are now into June, it's only a matter of time before the temperature creeps up and things get hot. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jossie Harding. With me is Rob Irick. He is the Nebraska Director of Beef Quality Assurance and also an Extension Educator with the University of Nebraska, Lincoln. Rob, as we are heading into the summer, the temperatures get hot, muggy out. What are some things that producers could be doing right now to stay on top of heat stress prevention when it comes to cattle?
9: Well, you're right. As temperatures creep up, and we need to start preparing a what we would call a heat stress management plan. And even as those temperatures started to creep up into the mid-80s with 30% humidity, we still have some alert uh, pressures when we start talking about heat stress, especially in feedlot cattle. So really designing a plan that keeps those animals cool. We have to kind of keep in mind that cattle don't have the opportunity to really sweat, to cool their body temperature down very well. And so when we start looking at that, we want to make sure we have things that are abundant for, to this as fresh water. Uh, that's probably the key one, is if we can keep good fresh water and ample supplies in front of these cattle, that's the key part of it. We think, okay, we have a, we have a water trough out there, we have a water tank out there, but sometimes as that temperature creeps up and that humidity creeps up, that is isn't adequate because they're going to be consuming more water to try to keep their body temperature down.
5: When it comes to that management plan, obviously water and making sure they have enough is really probably first and foremost for the cattle. But what are some of those other things that factor into a plan that producers should be doing? Well, some
9: of the things that we have options to really help us in reducing some of the risk are things like sprinkler systems within those feed yards, uh, large droplet size, that way we can keep the, the cattle cooled down, but also keep the ground temperature within those pens. Sprinkler systems will actually help improve that. Another thing that we're seeing that's really starting to be more prevalent across the industry is some actual opportunities to put shade in pens. There's number of companies out there they're designing some shade resources for feedlot uh, operators to put in those pins because that shade can actually decrease the heat load on the ground in those pins by at least ten degrees and so that will actually help get that down a little bit as well where those cattle can kind of communicate or congregate under that shade another thing we always talk about is allow airflow. We like to have wind breaks during the winter time. It breaks that, that wind and that, that risk of snow and and those temperatures uh, getting down into some critical temperatures. But this time of year when we get this heat, we want more airflow. So we want to get that airflow where those cattle aren't um stressed under not having no air at all through those pins, And so we say try to keep away from those wing breaks. We try to have a little bit more open area, some mounding to get it up over um, that, that barrier a little bit to get that airflow in there. Probably the other thing that in this management plan is we also think about, when are we handling cattle? When are we moving cattle? Uh, what type of uh, situation are we in when we process cattle? And those type of things. And so we would recommend even at that uh, scenario is to manage it where your feed crew and, and your cattle handling crew is doing all that processing earlier in the morning. Uh, if you can actually do that processing before 10 o'clock where that temperature is still cool enough and that humidity might not be pushing up quite yet but if we can do it before 10 o'clock when it's cool or even earlier that's the key part sometimes we think evenings when that temperature cools off it's better but that body temperature is still pretty elevated so it takes so much longer for that body temperature to come down so it's just better to do it earlier in the morning whenever we can uh, do that as possible.
5: If you're anticipating the weather to get hot and muggy, what are those key signs from the cattle that you can monitor to tell how they are doing and how they are handling that heat?
9: Well, you start to look at the cattle, and as you see those cattle starting to hang their head down and, and, and panting he- more heavily, and, and you'll start to see them drool a little bit, that pressure is really starting to hit them with the heat. And that's usually probably the first signs. Is those cattle will just get kind of downheaded, and they'll labor in their breathing. And so that's an indicator that you're starting to see some heat stress. Now, there's some tools available out there to maybe forecast some of this for us, uh, where we're not having to really we, you know, we need to keep track of the cattle, but we can actually predict some things down the road a little bit. Uh, USDA meat Animal Research Center out uh, Clay Center has developed a heat stress forecast monitor. That's actually, uh, you can get it as an app on your mobile device, but you can also go to their website and uh, find that uh, And you can monitor it a little bit more as we kind of think about forecasting some of these these times out there. Um, If you can also go to the website of bqa.unl.edu, click on the heat stress resource tabs, and all those links are there as well.
5: We've been talking with Rob Irick. He is the Nebraska Director of Beef Quality Assurance and also UNL Extension Educator discussing heat stress prevention when it comes to cattle and what producers and operators can be doing now to prepare for summer. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding.
10: Let's talk about the livestock futures market and what happened today with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe?
11: Yeah, it was kind of a... Uh, interesting day uh, we're going to finish hiring the live cattle uh, with some uh, several triple digit gains still trying to uh, narrow the gap between uh, cash and futures haven't heard of any real cash trade but uh, we are at least closing that gap continually uh, uh, since we are in the month of June and the June contract uh, is has been uh, and a pretty good discount uh, to the cash uh, but as we move along, uh, the cutouts were higher, uh, so things still remain on a positive basis, despite the fact yesterday we had the big sell-off, uh, which I think was more uh, technical in nature than, than fundamental, um, as we couldn't make it through uh, the recent highs, and I think we ended up with a lot of selling. Uh, the, uh, in the feeders today, uh, we saw uh, some weakness in the front months, and some strength in the back months and i think uh, that uh, might signal uh, a little bit of a change in the uh, overall uh, attitude toward the feeders Uh, that's bear spreading and uh, generally speaking that's not a very positive sign and uh, but we did bounce back near the end of the day uh, to get well off our lows in the the, in those front months so a mixed out of the uh, feeders over in the hogs Mixed there too, uh, lower in the front end, and a little bit higher in the back end. Cash still firm, index still moving higher. Cutouts off a bit, and I think that's uh, one of the reasons for the weakness of the front end.
10: Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Dewey Nelson reporting.
6: Chad Moyer with you on the Rural Radio Network, and let's talk about some of the discussions that are happening at the Nebraska Cattlemen Midyear Meeting, and we're visiting with Merlin Nielsen. He is a, a former faculty member at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and uh, now a, a landowner in, in, in Seward County, in the Seward area. Merlin, thanks for visiting with us here today. You've become a part of uh, an effort called Fair Nebraska, and its effort is really to bring balance back to funding education, and uh, we've talked before about how property taxes have been relied on a lot. Uh, just tell me a little bit about how your group came together and what are the discussions been like so far.
3: Well, thank you, Chad. Yes, our group uh, came together as uh, five uh, landowners uh, in agriculture in the Seward, York County area. We kept examining how our property taxes were skyrocketing every year. And uh, after a while, you get A little frustrated with that, and you're trying to look for a solution to uh, uh, make things more balanced and make sure that our government services are. Paid by a broad array of the users of those, not just a limited uh, few. We've
6: had some proposals that have been brought up so far. None have got traction. But give us the proposal that Fair Nebraska has put together and put up for discussion.
3: Well, the one that we've uh, put up, and we have it listed on our website. We'd urge people to go look at that, fairnebraska.com. This uh, prescription that we have put together is one that in the future we would move Uh, all community colleges and all ESUs to the state budget and in addition at the K-12 level we would move the full cost of a basic adequate uh, standard education that's defined by the state of Nebraska Department of Education. We would move that to be paid out of the state general fund budget as well. And then at the local level, there would still be some specific needs that are unique for districts that the local boards would decide, like busing and, and athletic activities and special uh, uh, classes, elective type of classes that might come along that are unique for one school compared to another. But at any rate, that would be paid by property taxes on residential property only. So how
6: does does that change the percentages that have... Gone, uh, gotten wider
3: and wider over the years, Merlin. Yeah. Well, as we look at uh, uh, state and local taxes in Nebraska, we're sitting very, very heavily on property taxes right now. The, the, the last data that I've seen are about 49% of our uh, taxes in Nebraska go to uh, property tax. Uh, about 31, 2% is uh, to income tax. And a very, very small amount, 19%, is. Uh, Uh, sales tax with the proposal that Fair Nebraska is bringing, those come much closer to a third, a third, a third. And so we think that's a more balance and meets that uh, criterion that was set up several years ago of having three legs to the stool that support our state and local governments.
6: All right, quickly, what are you going to do with this information moving forward, Merlin?
3: Well, we're, we're sharing it with as many people as possible to get good uh, feedback and good reaction of the pros and cons of the ideas. And then we're looking for a way to make it happen, uh, and that could encompass a, a variety of ways and we're just not sure exactly which one of those is going to be the the route that we need to push and, and work toward but we're certainly looking for more partners uh, we're hoping people will go to that website uh, just look forward to hearing from people and hearing how we can broaden our network uh, to apply pressure uh, in the ways that are needed to make effective change
6: merlin nielsen a landowner from seward county a member of the group fair nebraska here on the rural radio network chad moyer reporting
10: Grain and soybean futures finish higher today. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. And we have with us John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. What was the main factor that you saw driving this market higher?
12: I think short covering. Massive volume, you know, coming into the market there. tells me the guys are getting out. We really broke above that technical range yesterday. 380, we'll call it 380, but really more like 3. 375, and I think it just wanted to run up here and see what was above this 384, 385 level. Got up to the, well, I think we had 387 at one point on that July contract, and then backed off. So, you know, looking across the charts here, we're really at we're, we're at those res- resistance levels from February. That's what you need to think about it. Um, if we break out here, you look at July's high somewhere around 395, which probably puts the December up around 420. Maybe we get to 415 at that point. Um, you know, I'm not. And I, I, I think this thing could run away. It really depends on how, how drastic this weather is going to get. Um, you know, rain is in the forecast, so for the next two weeks, it doesn't look to me like there's a whole lot to worry about, but I'm not out there. And, you know, guys are talking about corn rolling and, you know, different, different uh, you know, problems that are that are popping up. But I, I look at these markets and the carry is not changing, which tells me that, you know, you're really not seeing a cash get too concerned. So, I think it's a seller's market here. Once we get up into the the 14s area for the, to the December, you got to start marketing at that point.
10: Well, you would suppose then the funds are at least trying to evening up uh, their positions before Friday's report.
12: Yeah, you know what, you know, I don't think Friday's report has a lot to do with it. I think this is more weather, and I think the, you know, the finally the, 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 the shorts are here, and, and really it's more of a wheat thing, I think, that's really pushing the trade. The wheat market's going higher is, is what we want to see. Corn has its own story, but, you know, we need to see that feed market rally to get the corn prices higher. But I will tell you, we're going to lose export markets, and, and you know, the carry-out mass that you do and simply say, okay, if we're going to lose, you know, a million acres and we're going to drop yields the carry-out of be X, the carry-on will be X minus what we lose on demand, and that that's the thing we, we need to remember here. Demand is, it, there's plenty of global supply out there on the corn side, wheat as well, but wheat, there's a protein story, and I think that's where I would be buying. I like the KC over the Chicago right now a lot. I think there's some pretty good upside there, and, uh, you know, if, if the Minneapolis would would break out here above. It's held at six dollars. I think there's another leg to this, and I think that puts KCs four sixty 460, four sixty five. Maybe puts that corn at those levels we mentioned earlier.
10: Thanks, John Payne, senior marketing analyst, Daniel's Ag Marketing, Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. Again, wheat was eight to nine higher, Kansas City, Chicago, but a little bit mixed in Minneapolis today. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network.